Hey there, thank you for tuning into this edition of Bloom Fireside. We are at episode 8, and today we have Miki Costa, co-founder of Access Network. If you are looking for that blockchain project that has a real company behind it, is interested in genuinely making the world a better place, and is actively building the team to do it, besides Bloom, Access Network is a great candidate. Mickey and I talk about how he met his co-founder, how two American men ended up starting a company focused on Ghana and Senegal, and why Access Network is so excited to partner with Bloom. We packed a lot of information into a short amount of time in this chat, so here it is, Bloom Fireside Episode 8 with Mickey Costa of Access Network. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Bloom Fireside. Today, I'm speaking with Mickey Costa from Access Network. Had to play a little bit of email tag and <laughs> to, to make this happen, but we finally made it happen. Mickey, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Derek. I'm happy to be here. Great. Uh, so we are both on some time constraints today, so let's get this kicked off. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about Access Network. What is it? What are you guys all about? Sure. Sure, we're, we're decentralizing financial services. So we have a, a token economy um, architected around incentivizing the growth of a, a local uh, human exchange network for liquidity purposes to be an infrastructure way. And then supplementing that with uh, greater financial access uh, through incentivizing developers to build more and more applications for the network. They are using the token uh, the users to vote on what they want the developers to build. The developers are winning a token reward for building the right stuff. And they're using the tokens together kind of to unlock higher usage of any of these applications and also um, get a discount on any kind of service fees associated with them. Cool, okay. Kind of a mix uh, of different projects I, I've, I've seen before. That's yeah, it's like some, some basic two-sided staking meets uh, a Binance token model in some way. Yeah, I, I think we'll hear a little bit more about that type of thing in a couple of weeks in the next episode of Fireside because we we'll be talking with District Zero X. A little bit different, but similar mm -hmm. in terms of like getting things kickstarted. So that's really cool. How, how did this all come about? How did Access Network get started? Yeah, sure. So I have my company, uh, Atlas uh, Money, and we were um, a couple of years ago, we basically out of Techstars with some seed money moved down to Ghana. And we lived in West Africa for the greater part of two years um, with no product market fit. <laughs> and, uh, the, and the idea was, was blockchain-based as, as a thesis. It was, um, you know, let's do the M-Pesa for the world and so much more, yada, yada. As we got there, we realized that the, the kind of the banking-first model would work really well. And this idea of community unbanked community members, which is a smartphone, could walk around every day to the same people and bank each other and thank other people. Uh, we saw that organically in Ghana. It just was a lot of pain points around uh, that banker having all your money and sometimes they mismanage it. So we built a MVP that became a product market fit. It's basically Uber for banking. So you have a network of people with smartphones that go around to the same people in their community every day. And they're taking kind of a pre-purchase transaction credits and exchanging those for deposits. And they also can uh, provide withdrawal transactions on demand and uh, also microloans. So we're basically a savings-led application, but also 
in a branchless banking way doing not just savings, but also a bit of microloan experiments. We did a pilot, some were very successful. Took that to, Ga uh, to Senegal right away to make sure it would work in two very different countries, and it did. And that's when we knew it was something special. And as far as access network coming out of that, you know, we we're doing this on, um, on different blockchain test nets at the time. It was Bitcoins. It was prohibitively expensive to do it live, right, for $1 deposits or right. anything else that we would develop in the future. So we had that kind of real-world impetus to, to look at, like, ERC-20 tokens. And as we're looking at it, this was, like, maybe January 17, a little earlier, we were thinking, like, how do we, more importantly, decentralize our mission? Right? Our mission atlas was scale out this Uber for banking model, build all these awesome applications from money sending to loans to e-commerce to microinsurance, and the list goes on to 40 more things. Um, you know, the problem is they have a lot of needs. The good news is they have a lot of needs from a developer <laughs> problem solver standpoint. So, you know, that's where we realize like this is way bigger than us. So that mission's never changed. We've just now architected it to kind of incentivize developers to kind of push that boulder, hopefully down a hill, not up a hill, and to really incentivize people to grow their own networks or even partner with other networks that are akin to Atlas money. You know, we have 500 agents and 30,000 very loyal customers, but it's, you know, big number for crypto, small for scale. Mm -hmm. So we also architected this in a way where those earn-in tokens for just the kind of, you know, branchless banking side cannot just be gamifying our operations where we are to grow the network, but also be leveraged to people that might have a million customers and 10,000 agents selling just airtime minutes in Cambodia or Peru, for example. Right. So really, you know, scaling this faster because it's a really important thing to do for the world. Cool. Um, I have to ask, and I hope it doesn't take too long to, to explain, but I'll you came out of Techstars, uh, you had some seed money. Why yeah. Ghana? Like, you, no offense, you don't look African. Maybe you are. I but... don't. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I've done 23 of me and I had some surprises, but being West cool. African was not, was not one of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, we were actually first in Senegal while in Techstars talking. I had an uh, introduction that got me into the continent. A very okay, cool. An advisor of mine who's an African entrepreneur. So that got us there to the ground level to remote villages, like talking to women and hearing this resounding thing we'll get into with Bloom later with like, I just, we need loans, right? And, and, and deserve them. Yeah. So just learning about the, the communal infrastructure and, and the pain points they face and, and first kind of get your feet wet. Um, we picked Ghana because it was a bigger GDP market. It was competitive with mobile money. Um, it was a fast moving market. Um, uh, good from a regulatory environment, and also just a great beta ground for like a, a bigger market like Nigeria, right? So it wasn't too small, wasn't too big, kind of Goldilocks just right. Uh, we got lucky there because the product market fit was an organic Ghana one that we just saw the scale behind it and made it digital. Um, so that's the serendipity in life. I think any good founding story needs a little luck from the universe. Um, yeah. But that's how we, we ended up there and it ended up being just the biggest blessing in disguise. Okay, that's that's terrific. I mean, I, I've done, um, you know, Kiva loans and that sort of thing, my 25 mm -hmm. bucks or my 50 bucks paired with a bunch of other people's 25, $50, mm -hmm. what have you. And, and I've seen, and I've actually, I think I've gotten all my money back except for maybe one loan uh, where I got part of it and then, you know, the entrepreneur defaulted. So I think, I think it's great. Yeah, it's just, I was just curious about, you know, how a couple of American guys <laughs> end up in, in in Ghana or Senegal or anything like that. Yeah, so that's, I think if, that's cool. yeah you, if, you, if you start at a thesis level and you, you whittle your way down, you figure out the rest. Neat. Um, 
why do this in general? You know, you, you said you started with Atlas, um, mm -hmm. Atlas Money and, and now expanding it with Access Network. Why? What's, what's the impetus behind it? Yes, it's more of a philosophical question. I'll, I'll give a short answer, um, not just about me as a founder and my co-founder, James, but our whole team. Um, even, you know, we have 30 employees, a lot are in Senegal and Ghana. Um, we all care about changing the world. It sounds corny because we watch Silicon Valley TV show, but this isn't like a, a way to get blue jeans cheaper or better e-commerce. This is like when you sit back and go, how do I change things? And you go, what's the, at the root? Most fundamental thing I can do if I have a limited time on this earth. You know, some people might say, oh my God, it's healthcare, or clean water or energy. And I think those are all arguably maybe the most important things, but all if you step back, yeah, if you step back at it, like money can enable all those things. So if you really create freedom around banking and more importantly, greater access to develop themselves and their communities, you're going to just see an acceleration of progress that can lead to all these different verticals happening in a more likely way and in a faster way and in a way that's kind of really co-owned by the people that need it. Like one of the things I'm proud of when we did the Access Network is that we decided that the, the model I just described is all really governed by the people and the users um, through on-chain voting and doing things like liquid democracy. Um, so, you know, not just giving them tools to, you know, catch up, leapfrog ahead of us, hopefully, with doing things kind of uh, the right way with crypto and economic models, but just being in charge of that narrative, like it, you know, it's, it's, it should be theirs. It shouldn't be anyone else telling them what to do. Um, so long story short, sorry, um, getting better at making it shorter. Uh, it, it's, it's just what we care about. We care about helping people and sustainable free market ways. And there's, you know, when you boil that down to like the why, the why, the why, it just gets down to money and banking. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I was, I was on a, a, I was interviewed on a podcast that a friend of mine does a little while ago. And he's like, you jumped around a lot. Why? And I was like, I'm, I was looking for that thing for me to let me actually make a difference in a ton of people's lives, ideally millions and billions. And mm -hmm. despite how small I am by myself. And I think I found that place at Bloom. And it sounds like you, you guys have a similar philosophy as I do and, and the rest of Bloom teams. So quite serendipitous, I think that we're all, we've all um, connected and, and can work together. Um, You've talked a little bit about yourself. Could you, could you expand a little bit more on, on where you're coming from, maybe some schooling and, and your, your co-founder as well, you know, how you guys kind of got to this point? Sure. Um, I am a history major, philosophy minor in Boulder, but you can see my, my leanings. Um, going to solve these big problems. I uh, got my law degree from George Washington, D.C., passed the bar in New York, but I, I never practiced um, outside of like summer programs. Um, wanted to be an entrepreneur the whole time. I wanted to change the world the whole time. Uh, that's when I met James. He was about seven, nine years younger than me. Uh, sorry, he was um, uh, 17 at the time. He was in Y Combinator with a healthcare company um, that went on to have a lot of success called Eligible.com. And he helped co-found and architect as his CTO. Um, he then left that to work with me in our first endeavor before blockchain and um, all this stuff was uh, uh, politics. Still the same thesis of changing the world, right? So we were trying to make politics in the US uh, through crowdfunding and money in like 2012 just better. Um, didn't obviously scale that. Um, <laughs> learned, learned a lot and you know, always driven by the same core, him and I. And through that, I got the Teal Fellowship, and things just snowballed and progressed. And we started a side project, became our switching companies to a Bitcoin debit card. 
called Atlas Card, and then we made the world's biggest pivot to Atlas Money and then the Access Network, as you know. So um, the real Atlas Access story starts in like Techstars, where we boost before that with the card. And then after Techstars, we, we had the money to actually build the team. It wasn't just two people hustling anymore. Um, so we started to build out a great team and have great people like uh, Jose, who's a uh, his past life was a diplomat, economist, and banking products for the underbank in Spain, and social impact uh, led. While you know, I knew him here in New York through that world, um, met great people um, like our, our current product lead, Onecki, who's just a great designer from Czech Republic. Very diverse team. I mean, James and I, I think, are still the only Americans. Met have one or two more, um, but a lot of different nationalities. And then you know, the the one of the best helps him um, African. Um, so Dio, Oladio Oladay goes by Dio, is um, our head of engineering. He runs a ton of coders and he's just awesome. He's been with us for a couple of years and uh, just, just an all-around awesome team. Great people operationally in Ghana and Senegal, adding new employees in New York now. Um, so we're excited to keep, keep growing the, the family culture we have here. Nice, good. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because you've actually already answered some of these other questions and talk about uh, what you guys are actually, or how you see yourselves compared to some of the other organizations who are trying to do similar things or, you know, or at least operate in a similar way. How do you see Access Network really setting itself apart um, from other other peer-to-peer -peer lending marketplaces in general, or yeah. or you know anybody any other companies who are maybe a little more socially impact-minded like yourselves. Yeah. So I don't like that word, <laughs> social impact. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no offense to you. We'll hopefully change the narrative later. Um, sure. I think it, it's a byproduct, but it's not necessarily the way you have to see yourselves. No, it's a, it's a good word to latch onto now because. The point of communication is to say things that people understand and they always understand certain boxes that already exist and you try to change those boxes um but yeah free market-led solutions right you know you have to have things that are sustainable um they need to be businesses so like we were uber for banking thing the users pay a dollar a month for it pretty much and that creates a great job for someone and everyone's happy um so what makes us different um we have a real we have a real user base and a real product market fit. I think that's like wildly important. A lot of great people architect things that um, are on paper in a place like New York, having never been to the continent, or if they have, not realizing the low smartphone penetration, that people aren't going to use MetaMask, that governments aren't going to let you like put in your own cryptocurrency, that's the next Bitcoin, that's a bad idea, um, that they're what their needs are, right? That, that kind of, the fact that they don't have a wallet, right? Like you can't, they couldn't buy Ethereum if they wanted to. Right. They have a smartphone app. There's just no way to, they're not plugged in. So without that ops product market fit, um, the rest is just all a really cool napkin level notion or white paper notion, I think. Second thing is on the architecture is I think we've, we've made something that is thoughtful and incentivizing the two things this needs. It needs those boots in the ground, um, people banking each other, and it needs developers being incentivized to build more and more, more tools. Because again, there's so many problems to solve. Um, I think crypto developers, you know, we incentivize them, but even if we didn't, they're kind of hungry for real-world product market fits and applications that a user base wants and needs and not maybe something that American goes, I don't need Filecoin, I got Google Docs for free, you know, what, you know, leave me alone, maybe in 10 years. Um, so what makes us different, though, is that we're not just like a loan thing, we're not just this, that, or the other, we're, we're, we're really the financial services network. So I think loans are going to happen like right away. 
we're building it. I know from talking to a lot of women and users, they want it. I think it'll go great. We'll talk about how we'll work with Bloom on that. But that's just one of many things we're doing, right? The first thing we're launching with is free money sending. You know, we're not any one thing. We're not a Kiva. We're not this. We're, we're really going to be kind of this decentralized um, bank for the unbanked, you know, financial services network that will spin up into one day microinsurance for funeral insurance and, and like 40 other things on top of that. So it's about giving everyone kind of uh, the paintbrushes to make their own colors and paint their own canvas. Um, and I think financial services, again, can encompass like, so much stuff. But eventually, I think we want to be part of um, you know, nation building. I want people like you, instead of a Kiva loan, to invest um, into a $20,000 solar panel that people on the ground will pay to use, but they will be co-owners of it. And they'll be green, reliable, cheap co-owners of their own energy infrastructure like mm -hmm. that's pretty cool um you know so we, we want to really do everything that's why we're also very practically focused um doing the free money sending first which is huge because everyone's just paying an arm and a leg to the telcos right now um you want things that are social to spread it everyone does that now so if you want let's talk about loans probably running low on time and sure. talk about how we would potentially work with bloom because our, our loan dap's not built it'll be kind of a second generation thing coming Later this year, early next year, um, you know, simply put, lend more, borrow more, you'll stake more access, right? Um, we've done a lot on the ground of success with loans today, so I think as we craft this model um, with the community, you know, chiming in, it'll probably take a lot of the lessons we learned at Atlas, which is very much um, people collateralizing the loan with some of their savings, twenty percent of it, and having someone underwrite it against their income, like the banker, someone that. Uh, uh, someone that, uh, <laughs> that that knows them well, right? So having someone skin in the game financially that sees them every day, almost like a, a human oracle. And in this network of people, this communal ties, it's foreign to us. That's how everything is over there. So I think building a lot of financial products so that in mind makes sense. So what I'm excited about with Balloon in particular, I think loans are great. Don't get me wrong. Um, I want to make something that's kind of maybe more simple than even Akiva. I don't think you need to read a user story every time. You just put money in the bucket and it, it pays you back and helps people. Sure. We'll get, we'll get there on the UX UI side. I think where I look, look at Bloom is like we have the same mission of empowering people financially, um, them credit scoring, owning their data, just so much. And I think we, we very much meet on loans and probably other things in the future. So very mission aligned. Um, but what I think is really cool at Bloom is that they're, they're focused on something very, very important about this infrastructure of, of your affair and transparent credit score. And I think that, that use case we can bring of real-world borrowers is going to help Bloom grow and help us grow because we're not going to be focused on, we're focused on the users and giving them better financial services and letting them vote to decide those things and define them. Um, so I think like over time, while it's very impactful for a Ghanaian woman to get a loan, at a fair rate, you know, I've seen them go four loans later from selling oranges on their head to having a fresh squeezed juice restaurant. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like nice. four months, four hundred dollars later, employing three more people. It's it's awesome. So that's really impactful. But you know, are they building a credit score, right above above and beyond? That? Right now, they're not. Um, right now, they're not. Like um, or with me, like you know, um, this, needs, this needs to be open. It's bigger than all of us, right? Um, hopefully they're going to be able to earn in if that's getting monetized, right? Or, or get part of that monetization. Um, what else there? Like I, we have the hard part done, like I think for Bloom in a more localized environment, right? So I got people that want loans and deserve them, we'll pay them back. I have their IDs too. So Bloom can't just help us credit score better for the future. 
for other networks outside of ourselves as well for these users, um, I have their ID from the government. Like there's there's stuff you can you can do there. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not the CTO, right? Um, <laughs> let, right? I'm not either. So we'll let I'll, I'll let I'll, our CTO I'll let the smart the smart the smart woman and men fill that in. But for both our yeah. teams, but but there's there's a lot to be had when you have the ID, you're making credit scores, digital identities for finance and beyond. That's gonna you know don't leave it under the table. You know, build something big and long term as a decentralized uh, network that's gonna do a lot of great stuff. So excited to work with people like Bloom that are experts in that and focus just on that. Um, this is truly exciting. I mean, that by itself is just so powerful. Yeah. So we just, yeah, we just want to be a partner to leverage what we can to that to help our users and, and help them. Yeah, I think the ideas the ideas really come into play when you are doing higher risk things, right? Especially, mm -hmm. so it's really easy to to lend twenty five bucks to somebody over over Kiva or or yeah. you know throw it into a, to a, an access network pot as you mentioned. Uh, and just loan it out or have somebody locally loaning out a thousand bucks here, 200 bucks mm -hmm. there, what have you. But yeah, when you are looking for potentially bigger loans or, or um, a testing ownership of something, that's where ID really comes in and, and where, I mean, I hope in 10 years, I'll be able to just go to the airport and be like, boop, I have, I can attest that I have a valid passport and it's Canadian. Yeah, it's so whatever. crazy, right? Right, like there's there's so many now. ways to, to potentially use this, and and we've looked at a lot of them, and we're you know we're hoping we can get there with all that, but um, you know there are really basic ways to do it. Signing up for Tinder, I have a I have a real ID, I have a real phone number. You don't necessarily share it, but I have a real all these things, and then uh, and for folks who are in Ghana, Senegal, Nigeria, as you mentioned, and all sorts of other African countries or or elsewhere, just being able to say like, I'm good for it. You know, and here are all the mm -hmm. reasons why I can prove I'm good for this for whatever service it is. Um, yeah, could can be very, very powerful. And they have, um, they have a lot to collateralize too. You know. Yeah. No, no way to do it. So, uh, last question. Uh, I think we've packed sure. in a lot of information to a lot short period of time, which is good for both of us today. Um, what you kind of already mentioned this, but what's the timeline like, at least on on integrating the Bloom protocol, or when you guys feel like you're going to need it? Uh, uh, in a more tangible way. Yeah, we're, we're going to walk work very thoughtful, thoughtfully with them hand in hand on our, our loan products. I would think um, so. We make sure we're putting in the DNA for the greater ID and credit scoring things of that nature. Uh, realistically, that's going to be uh, end of Q4, bleeding into Q1. So I'd say look out for things we can touch and play with. Probably end of Q1, early Q2 of next year. Okay. I think that's fair, and I and I know we'll have quite a bit. I try to be realistic with my expectations. No, that's fine, and and I know, but and I know because I'm part of the team that by then we'll have a pretty robust uh, infrastructure for you guys to work with. So I think that's, exactly. uh, that's good timing. Okay, Mickey, thanks so much. Uh, we've both got to go, but we made it happen, so that's great. We did. Um, if you if people want to find out more about uh, Access Network, where should they go? They should go to acxnetwork.com. Okay. Uh, any sort of online communities, Reddit, Telegram, Slack? Yeah, we're on, on we don't do Slack right now. Um, That's it's at, at ACX Network, I think there's an underscore. I think, there. I think you're right. The Telegram, I think, is ACX underscore. Yeah, I, I think we need underscore all, all throughout because we want to have the same one. So I think it's ACX underscore network for Twitter and everything. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I'll have links in the show notes and. Um, and in the YouTube description. So thanks a lot and have a great day, Mickey. All right, you too. Thanks, Derek. Pleasure. Sad the blue team for me.
you. Bye. Bye.